It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Episode 23 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I'm the host here. And uh, if you've been following the show, uh, you know what we're doing here is we're talking to some of the best uh, people in the football world, the fantasy football writing community, the uh, draft Twitter community. And we have a great member from the latter today. Uh, we're talking to someone who used to be one of my many bosses in this year life, and that's uh, Eric Galco of, of Optum Scouting. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. We're, what, two weeks after? for the draft so it's a little bit of a lull but uh but i got to doing some film study last week a little bit and this week too and some planning for next year so it's uh it's right back to it which is which is kind of a good thing i don't like to take a break too much because then you get complacent and you get lazy so i'm kind of right back to 2017 stuff as soon as i can nice yeah i've intentionally not or i was intentionally not asking many of the draft guys to come on the show during the draft time because i know that it can be a very hectic uh experience yeah. And I know, you know, you're involved in a lot of different things. And, and we'll talk about that, of course, here in a little bit, Eric. But I always start the show asking the guest, you know, how did you come to kind of fall in love with football? Or where did that all start for you? Um, so I was a third string quarterback in high school. Um, wasn't very good in, in the sense of, you know, not being tall enough, not being impressive enough to play. And, and probably my freshman year of high school or sophomore year of high school, I came more intrigued with kind of like the, the nuance of the game. So I started writing a lot more about it, kind of started off from scouting um, back in its previous name. Um, my sophomore in high school, just kind of playing around with it, kind of learning away from the playing of football and more to the analyzing of football as well. Um, and I kind of fell in love with with all like the nuanced parts of, of the game. I think that's what I'm scouting and, and I kind of like to do was more author and stuff and honor stuff a lot is because I'm fascinated by the agent process. How do you pick a player? How do teams really look at guys in particular for their scheme? And less about who's good, who's not good, who's, you know, stock up, stock down. More about kind of the, the business of football um, and how that ties into scouting and how it ties into player evaluation. So early on, you know, I was intrigued by helping agents pick who their clients might be. Um, helping smaller level leagues kind of find out the, the under the radar guys or guys that weren't going to make the NFL, but who still be NFL players too. And then certainly the media stuff comes with it and, and certainly mock drafts and, and rankings and things like that are fun too. But, but I'm always been intrigued by kind of the whole business of sports in general, even across football, football, certainly, I guess my forte, but even basketball and baseball and how kind of the smaller levels or, or I guess the less obvious levels of sports um, always intrigue me in the business side of things. That, that's interesting. So what's, you, what's your background other than football, that, and does it at all intersect with that idea of the business of sports? Yeah. Um, so I was a finance major in, in college um, and, and a lawyer um, at Villanova Law School. So it's, I've kind of have that background, which is, I guess, unique a little bit. But, but I've, always, I mean, I've always wanted to do, you know, have passion for football um, for a while, so I knew I wanted to do a lot of the scouting stuff. And, and certainly, you know, working in sports media is something that pays the bills. Um, and certainly doing stuff off the internet is something I'm, I'm more passionate about too, working with all-star games I work with um, in that sense too. But I 
kind of lost track of, of your question, but I think for the most, the business side of things that's always intrigued me is not, I don't want to be an agent, never want to be an agent. Certainly working in a front office would be intriguing, but not something I'm necessarily going for. Um, but I think that kind of, my, my love for football is kind of tied into my intrigue as far as the business aspect of things. And again, kind of going more than just on the field stuff, who's playing well, who's not. I've always been fascinated by kind of how that all intersects with people in the business. Yeah, I would say that when you start to get dissatisfied with just what's going on on the field and you want to know more outside of that, I think that's really a good sign that you're 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 sick with this stuff, you know, as we always say, or like you, you have that sort of burning passion, that's for sure. Um, I know I've, I've been that way with a lot of stuff, a lot of things, obviously, with football. But um, what you're known for is obviously Optimum Scouting, you know, which is a which is a great, well-known source for covering the draft. You know, I used to work there. Several other people in the, in the industry have worked there before, too, and taken their taking their time at Optimum. Kind of take me back to how that all started or where the idea was born from. I know you mentioned that some of its early days was just, you know, you covering the, the technical part of the game. But how did how did it get started as it's known today? Yeah, I mean, as far as the off-internet stuff, the story I, I kind of always tell is is I was driving, driving someplace, I think picking up Chinese food uh, at 10 o'clock um, when I was, I guess, was, well, almost 10, 12 years ago now, 11 years ago now, um, and I get a call from an agent. Um, well, I won't say his name because I think he's still an agent in the industry, uh, but he called and said, hey, um, we love your work. How much do you charge? Um, that's kind of gave me a light bulb saying, like, you know, let me get to my secretary. I'll get back to you, um, which I certainly didn't have a secretary at the time. But um, from there, I kind of realized that, you know, again, that, that kind of aspect of, of that side of football was intrigued me. So that's when the offense stuff started, um, I guess, 12 years ago now. Um, that optimum scouting was kind of formed six years ago now. But logistics aside, uh, we started working with CFL teams and AFL teams and agents at that point. And I've kind of grown from there. And always my hope has been for optimum scouting is that I want to do a lot of offense stuff. I guess more I call it professional stuff, working with people who are paying for the services of, of, of scouting efforts and things like that, with the hope being that, hey, in the media side of things, if people want to see what I'm sending to those teams or to send those agents, you know, come back from scouting and get that. So while I know, you know, the draft coverage is different everywhere. Um, some places prefer mock drafts, and I certainly do those and things like that. I, I hope with the goal of optimum scouting, a lot of ways, and we're moving more towards analytics um, in that sense, because what teams want is it, kind of always have that, what do teams get value out of optimum scouting for? And then we'll go from there to the fan. Um, so again, started out from working off the internet mostly um, 12 years ago with that agent phone call and it's grown from there and morphed over the years from agents to professional teams to now all-star games and thing I most enjoy working with and still agents and teams as well. Um, and then media as well. So I, like I said, I've always kind of grown it from, I wanted to be professionally based off internet to say that, Hey, you know, we're not just, we're not just a guy in our mom's basement, you know, writing about football. We're hopefully doing something a little more technical. And then, um, you know, we're, we're still in the basement doing that, but it's, it's more so that the media people can kind of appreciate where we're coming from and a lot of what we're doing. Eric, I'm kind of offended that you would say the mom's basement thing, considering that I am actually, you know, if you listen to the last couple episodes, you know, I'm broadcasting right now from my mom. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So very, very offended that you would say that. My feelings are now hurt. Um, <laughs> and we're going to end the show. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I think that that is really interesting. So, so somebody reached out to you first as opposed to you would, would think normally like that you have. Oh, no. It's, it was, it was, it was a couple of years of me um, sending stuff out for free. Um, okay. Something I'm a big proponent of. And I think certainly people who want to work in, in sports media understand that working for free aspect. Um, everyone does it. And, uh, and that's why I certainly appreciate it. But, you know, I, I think again, my goal and I, I 
thought at the time, which I guess I ended up being a little bit right, was that people were so focused on the media side of things, people weren't helping out agents who needed that help too, or, or smaller league teams too. And it's it's grown a lot over the past few years in media people helping out agents or media people helping out other um, pro teams. But but it's something that I, I thought was a need at the time, ended up being a slight need. And, and again, sending stuff out on the wings of an angel to people saying, hey, here's what we do. Call me if you have any questions. What more do you need from me? Um, and hopefully that turns into kind of a client down the road. That's kind of my plan. And, and getting that call was... You know, I didn't, didn't things in snowball from there. It still took a couple more years before we had a lot of clients, but um, but that was certainly the trigger in my head that you know what I'm right. There is a need here, and hopefully we can help there too. And and thankfully it's it's grown a little bit. I've had like people like yourself, great people to work with, which I can't say enough. I wrote an article um, a couple of days ago, just hopefully as a thank you because um, it really means a lot. And it's 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 slowly over the even the past couple of years, it's grown into something that's been uh, much more productive. But we've had people. Thankfully, lead for much bigger and better opportunities, which is always kind of the hope. Um, in working with with myself and Optimum Scouting, so it's been great to see people like yourself and Alex Brown and Mark Delgarian and Ian Wharton. Uh, list goes on and on of people that have have done great things just by kind of getting their foot in the door and football stuff. Yeah, the Optimum Scouting tree is is got a lot of different branches that go a lot of different places, and and that's always cool to see in our community people taking an initial opportunity and, and getting somewhere else and then, and then going forward and, and how all the, the kind of lines of the trees intersect and everything is very fascinating to me. Um, and we'll talk more about that later, but well, I thought your point about the business of sports and kind of like that non-media side is something that people don't really tap into. Cause I think everybody wants to be, you know, Mel Kuyper or Daniel Jeremiah, yeah. you know, they want to be that guy, but there is a space that for people that, <clears throat> Are kind of behind the scenes, and I think you've you've carved out a really interesting niche there. Like your scouting notebooks, or I can't remember exactly what the series is called. Sorry, now I, I'm forgetting. But like the scouting notebooks, like the things that you're hearing, I can't remember exactly what the series was called. State of the draft, I call State it. State of yeah. draft, there it is. Okay, I'm an idiot. There's like a tons of different titles out there, and I, <laughs> I I'm bad at names and things like that. So, but yeah, those were really great resources. Kind of what you're hearing and everything, and and kind of having your finger on the pulse of that. And I imagine that 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 comes from being kind of in the back channels. Yeah, that's kind of the benefit, right? And, and talking with people and you kind of get the other side of the story when it comes to draft time too, which with, I think people I work with um, appreciate that. And, and it's like, hey, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to work a lot, a lot with you in the season and kind of uh, stuff like that comes back too. And, and thankfully, you know, as years have gone on, um, sources have gotten better. Um, you know, three years ago, I looked back at every, I kind of look back at what I said three years ago and some stuff was a little more hit or miss. Now I have three or four sources to corroborate instead of one or two, which is, which is great too. But that's kind of the benefit late in the process too. But you know, my, my biggest, I guess, well, I don't, first off, I don't want too many people going to the space that I'm in right now. Cause that's, that's competition. That's always that's, that's yeah, right. encouraging, but not always great. Not, there's not that many CFL teams or agents out there um, to compete with. But I, I think one of the things I've always done is, is I like to just be honest with, with agents and tell them like your guys suck. And you know, Greg Linton, who's comment on Twitter too. I'll go to all those guys. I'm like, man, this guy's terrible. This guy's, this guy's good. This guy's all right. And I, I think that honesty is something that like, I didn't, I didn't want to not do. Um, so whether it's guys on Optimus Comics team or things in general, I, I never try to like BS stuff like that. And, uh, and that's been thankful. I think people I talk to are, are cool with that and saying, you know, at least my guys suck, but at least he's honest about it. Um, and that's something that I think that people, and the media don't always do enough and kind of get excited with interviews and stuff like that too. Talking with players, I'll say like, you do this wrong. And I think our, our buddy Josh Norris does a great job of that when he's interviewed guys in the past and kind of saying like, Hey, what, what happened in this play? And he has a great play breakdowns. What happened here? Like, what do you have to work on? And, and that's something that I think people 
don't attack too much, which, uh, which hopefully we're, I want more this year and talk to more players, interview more, because I think that's something I'm intrigued by is kind of going to players and the nuance of, of being honest with them and saying, here's what you, here's what from a scout perspective, at least my perspective, what you don't do well, how can you fix that? How can you explain that? That's something I think that people can do across the industry and players and agents and stuff like that too. That's a really fascinating perspective that I guess I've never put together because working for a big media company now and, and just paying attention to larger media coverage, of course, a lot of it is like fluffing up the player, you know, like always pointing out what they do well, what this and that. And and especially in player interviews, I know for a fact, there's a lot of encouraging from, you know, the higher ups to be like, Hey, don't, don't be negative. You know, don't be negative in the interview. Don't point out weaknesses and that sort of stuff. But that's a good, that's a good perspective because honesty does indeed matter. Being well, good. you know, on that point too, I, I've talked to a handful of NFL teams who I was shocked to learn this even just the past couple of months is that most NFL scouts, first off, most NFL scouts, not all scouts, are on Twitter um, under code names, whatever else. They're following people in the media. Um, so don't think that people in the media's opinions don't matter. But I think the most intriguing thing is that they read almost every interview on the internet for a player that they're considering. Um, so that's what we're going to do a lot more interviews this year as well, because, you know, scouts are reading that and it's intriguing. So I think for people who want to want to work in, you know, do a lot of media stuff, do interviews um, and, and be unique about them um, because like, I mean, at least from my perspective, my goal has always been, like I said earlier, to kind of cater to scouts and agents and media people. And hopefully, you know, traffic follows that um, whether or not it does, it's up for, you know, up for discussion, but hopefully that's always kind of the approach I've taken. But I think for people who want to work, I learned this just the past couple of months, just how widespread it is of people reading interviews. I think people who want to, you know, get, get eyeballs on their site um, or just attention to themselves and build that ever important brand um, interviews are surprisingly the best way to do that, which I'm going to do a lot more this year. Yeah, that's fascinating. I kind of want to ask you a little bit more about that because it, well, for one, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I, this is kind of my first experience interviewing anybody. Um, it's, it's a skill I'm, I'm trying to develop uh, myself, but I, I, it, it takes a unique perspective to be able to kind of coax information out of people. What do you think makes a good interview and what makes a maybe not so good interview with a draft prospect or anyone in particular? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my experience in interviews is mostly I don't do a lot for media side of things. I usually just talk to a lot of players um, and just kind of get my feeling on them for mostly for our draft guide and kind of the character section of that. I talk to as many players as I can um, for that aspect. But but my usual approach, and again, this isn't necessarily for media, is kind of that I can't believe he asked me that question question to players. Um, I really go for that you know, kind of brutally honest or shocking question just to see how they react. Um, and you can kind of get a feeling. I, I mean, the biggest fear, I think, it's discussed all the time and for combat interviews is, you know, how are guys overcoached for these questions? That's the biggest thing that I try to avoid is kind of just get those questions. So I'll ask the general questions. But I mean, the biggest thing I don't do is I, I never try to have over generic questions. Um, you know, you read an interview on the internet of, of what's on your iPod or stuff like that. And those, those questions are fun, I guess, to start with. But but I'm not interested in that as well. So, I, I mean, my usual approach is I don't do the Q&A type of thing. I'll interview and then just, like, steal some quotes and kind of morph an article around that too. But but I'm fascinated by kind of, like, getting guys out of their comfort zone and seeing who guys really are. Um, and, and also, which is, I guess, not something most people can do, but um, try to get talk to other people on the team or other, other scouts or other people who have talked to that player and kind of understand who that guy is ahead of time. Um, so I didn't get a chance to talk to Connor Cook, but I would have a very prepared answer for Connor Cook. Um, for example, talk with people as I have about him. Um, so those are the kind of things that you have to glean beforehand. But I mean, I try to do a lot of research and I try to find really four or five questions only that I want to get the guy off balance um, and just be conversational. That's, that's usually my thing and try to be friendly with the guy, but also 
kind of like the brutally honest friend who's got a, you know, a, a bone to pick a little bit and kind of find out what's going on in the player. Yeah, well, we all need that friend. That's for sure. Um, I, I would imagine that kind of if Connor Cook's a good example, maybe as people were sitting there, you know, and you're like, and he's fallen down the draft, maybe somebody that's a little more plugged in like you is kind of like, well, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be so surprised at this or, or, or maybe not. I don't really know. But do you have any specific example, like with a certain player that you can talk about and feel free to say no, uh, but do you have any specific example you could reference, I guess, that you asked a player a question that caught him off balance? You were maybe surprised or not so surprised by his reaction? Um, well, I did. I, I talked to Braxton Miller for a while, the senior bowl. Um, and, I mean, first off, that guy was the most impressive interview I've had. Um, I think him, Russell Wilson, clueless that those the two best interviews I've ever had. Just guys I'm president, not just a first round pick. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I had Braxton Miller, you know, who's a better quarterback, him or JT Barrett, um, who's a better quarterback, him or Cardell Jones, just to kind of see what he would react like. Um, and, and I, I also have the third question of who's a better quarterback, you or any quarterback here at the senior bowl, um, just to kind of see what, how you react there too. And for, for the Baron Cardell answers, he didn't say that he was less than those guys, which is kind of what I thought he might say. He might say, well, they're better than blah, blah, blah. Um, but he kind of focused on more said first off, he had a scouting report for both guys, which is super impressive um, yeah. more than just like, he's good. He's bad. I mean, he knew what Cardell had to work on anticipation and, and feeling comfortable under pressure off balance and, and making progressions and Jared JT Barrett's, you know, arm talent kind of lacking a little bit too. Stuff like that was super intriguing, but it was more so the, the confident yet not arrogant, which is kind of the fine line you have to walk and you, know, you want your players to be arrogant a little bit. Um, but that's why I think Wilson and Braxton were so impressive at the end of my mind is that they were, so confident yet not to the point where I didn't want them on my team or to lead me. Um, and that's, I think the, the leadership dynamic, which I'm also fascinated by. I mean, I'm fascinated by character evaluations of players. Um, my hope is to, if I have time one time to, to kind of write a book about all the character issues a guy's had over the years, because I'm fascinated by kind of how, how when football is such an on the field sport, how character can play a role on the field, off the field, guys that have success, you know, what happened with Joey Harrington in the locker room? Why didn't his teammates respond to him? Same for Blaine Gaffer. What happens when a quarterback loses that confidence? Stuff like that really fascinates me. And also kind of that bridge between confidence and arrogance and somewhere in the middle is leadership, um, I believe. That's kind of where leadership comes from is that bridge. So talking with those guys, I think Miller, going back to your question, Braxton Miller's kind of answer to that. So still being deferential that JT Barrett and Cardell Jones are, are really impressive players. Um, and talk more about Cardell Jones and his work ethic, which I think he knew about Cardell, but also having that confidence um, to say that he would clearly be the best quarterback at the Super Bowl, um, or he would clearly be, um, you know, just as good as Barrett or Cardell Jones, but he did it as a business decision to be a receiver. So that was one of the most impressive ones I got this past year um, in interviews. That's really fascinating. Man, I would read that book about the character issue stuff because there's just so much that we don't know, or at least on my side of the aisle. And a lot, I mean, the, that the public doesn't know. Uh, well, and I'm fascinated by how teams value those things, right? Because every team's different. And that's what I'm curious about, too, is to kind of see how teams, you know, evaluate character. I mean, the Tunsil example this year was kind of the grade A oh my God. question mark. Is like, how does that, how do you evaluate that on the fly? I remember, I mean, you know, we're obviously Twitter is so important. And I remember that happening. And I'm thinking, I'm, I've opened up Twitter, like, I'm going to give my response. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to respond to that. I'm not capable of mentally to handle that all in, in that kind of whirlwind. Yeah, no, uh, when that happened, 
uh, I was actually watching with two other guys that that have worked with you. Ethan Hammerman and Derek Klassen were out uh, were out in L.A. for the draft, and we were watching it. We went out to eat, and we came back, and the draft's about to start. We pulled our I pulled my laptop up and opened Twitter, and I saw that video, and I remember looking at those two guys being like, I don't even know what to tell you I just saw, but you have to, you have to see this. <laughs> that was one yeah. of the craziest things I've ever seen. And, and I think the, the shot, I mean, and that's the interesting part too, is that, you know, the fact that he was smoking marijuana shouldn't be the concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I tweeted it out, but from, from people, and I, I kind of corroborate this after the fact too. I mean, I know for a fact, at least a handful of the top 10 picks, you know, smoke marijuana in the last two, three years, um, probably the last year. So, I mean, marijuana use isn't shocking. Um, but I think just kind of how teams evaluate that kind of stuff. I mean, it comes down to still being, I still call that a character issue, is that kind of what's going on behind the scenes? What does this mean moving forward? We don't know about the issues. And that comfortability with and confidence in your locker room is so unique. So I don't think the Ravens really passed. I think only a handful of teams really passed on Tunsil and kind of stuck to their script. But, you know, it's fascinating, I think, at least from my angle, um, that story and then the Dan Marino fall story, the war story that's contributed to that. What were the real stories? Because the real stories shouldn't come out because sometimes it's it's difficult to really discuss those things publicly or in the in the moment. But you know, kind of what really happens there. And, and Ryan Leaf's story example too. But I think Connor Cook is going to be an example that we can talk about for a while to say, hey, this guy was, you know, had the ideal size. His arm talent was good, not great. He ran a pro style offense. He did so much. And you know, I'll, I'll, we can go into more if you'd like to, but I'm not sure you want to. But you know, there are plenty of stories of Connor Cook and why there's a real character concern. I think at the end of the day, that kind of won out for, for teams saying, no thanks, we'll, we'll pass out a quarterback or go elsewhere, which is fascinating to me too, because quarterback is obviously the most important position. Yeah, no, feel, free to, feel free to spin on that for a while. I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Connor Cook stuff, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a teammate issue. Um, you know, his, his center, Jack Allen, yelling at him multiple times in games to, you know, shut the F up just run the play, um, his teammates kind of having that scrap in a way that you can relate to as a college kid, but kind of that guy you're, you know, he's a cool guy, you know, you want to go out with him and drink, but you don't really want to hang out with him outside of that. That's kind of the feeling of Connor Cook. Um, that kind of, I mentioned that confidence, arrogance, way on the side of arrogance. Um, his parents were inf- influencing him, um, influencing other parents. Other parents didn't like his parents, um, which led to issues on the field. I mean, stuff like that. It was just kind of a lingering thing that you can imagine what happens in high school, happened at the pro level. And, you know, I, I've learned that parents are, are oddly a big example, uh, a big issue. So I talked to one scout, now retired, who uh, who said his team, and I went in the team too because it's a bit of a weird theory, um, but he had the dad test and he would ask a player, you know, tell about your family, two or three questions. And how many times he wouldn't listen to answer really. He would just listen how many times the guy said dad or father and more times, whether it was my dad's been great in my life, my dad's been super important or my dad wasn't there. I blame my dad would write down how many times that said. Um, and that was indicative. And I think that kind of over parental influence I know has impacted guys getting drafted nonetheless guys falling in the draft too. So there's a lot of currents with Connor Cook. Um, you know, I've had my past, his, his mother called me, didn't like a story I had wrote about him. Um, so she had found my number and called me. Um, and that was a, that was an interesting discussion um, that I kind of sat through, but I, I felt I owed it to at least listen to her and, and get mad at me. But, sure. you know, I, I don't want to say I was vindicated a little bit, but I, 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 you know, I talked to other people. I talked to uh, Matt Miller. I'm saying, Hey, is my stuff way off here? Are you in the same stuff? And, and he kind of said, yeah, you're in the same stuff. And I call other people too, other people in the league just kind of corroborate that. But it's, it's it's such a weird. I mean, again, I can't say enough how fascinated I am by that whole dynamic because it's we think of football in terms of fantasy perspective and how guys are going to do it. And then you watch film and you can see the traits, 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 
and the character side of things for a lot of teams is, is so important. And it's always been described to me as it's a job interview. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's draft process. It's a six month job interview. And just like any job interview, it's that first impression or the second impression that makes a difference. And your resume says one thing, but you know, I think people want to get hired mostly unless they have a great resume uh, based off of their interview and how they are as a person. Um, and sometimes guys fail that and it's still a job interview in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I would always say like my resume is pretty much sucked like throughout my yeah. job, my job process, like job searches and everything. But I've always said like, get me in the room with somebody and I will, I will get any job if you give me an interview. And I've exactly. mostly done that so far in my life. Um, yeah, that interview process is incredibly important. And it's, it's why we see like, you know, draft Twitter and people get confused. Like why a, like a prospect like Carson Wentz is, is getting, you know, vaunted up the draft boards but he's a, he's exactly the type of guy you want to hire i mean right yeah. like that's the that's the perspective i look at it as and i thought one of your comments there was really pointing about like connor cook being a guy that you would you know being that guy that you know you would want to go out and party with but maybe like you would want to go out to a bar with have a drink with but nothing beyond that i mean i had friends in college i think we've all had friends that i would love to go like out on the town with them but I would not want to wake up at their place, you know, Saturday morning and like have to go to brunch and have a conversation with them. Exactly. Like there are guys that you're cool to roll with, but, but like, that's it. Or like there's a clear ceiling to your friendship. And I think that that stuff matters when you're just, I mean, when you're just a, when you're an ass, you're an ass and nobody really wants to be around you. Yeah. And that, and, that, and that arrogant dynamic is so unique to it. I mean, quarterback, I always gets the most intention, but I think it's at every position too. And, and again, I mean, it's, and I can't blame teams for doing this. It's really a, Hey, it's an interview. And we, this guy's going to be a part of our organization, especially for a top two round pick. You're expecting that guy to be a starter or a high level starter. And that guy's got to be one of the faces of your locker room for the next 10 years, which I mean, think of that far ahead is sometimes naive, but you can't not plan for that. So if, if you're going to take Connor Cook in the first two rounds, He's either going to bust and you waste your draft pick and maybe you're fired or he hits and you're dealing with that guy for eight, 10 years. So I think dealing with the guy is, is where the issue comes from. So guys don't need to be, you know, these great leaders or these, you know, well-spoken guys. That's not really important. They're guys you want to hang out with. It's more about, do you, do you trust this guy to uh, not only do stuff, not do issues off the field, but also feel confident in the locker room that he's not going to, you know, make a mess of the whole situation. That's, that's really fascinating. And it helps just to, to bring some of like your, your real life understanding like that into football when you're, when you're being an analyst or when you're looking at situations, think about things how you would pr- approach it from a real life perspective, like your, your friends or a job, that sort of thing. It's, it's important as an evaluator to do that. Um, kind of spinning off this a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned when you're watching tape and everything like that, obviously uh, more than what you do at Optimum Scouting beyond the, beyond the character evaluation part of it and, and beyond what you're doing behind the scenes, you know, you guys watch a, I know for a fact, uh, you guys watch a ton of players. You put a lot of effort, a lot of eyes onto a lot of different guys. You personally, what's, what's one of your kind of main pillars of, of scouting and, and watching players and, and something that you look for? Um, as far as the, the trade evaluation or just the whole process in general? Uh, both. Yeah, I mean, the process in general is – is this is something that I, I did, I guess, a couple of years ago for Optimum Scouting. Um, it, it's really to not play that director of scouting role um, and that I'll, I'll watch as many teams as I can, even if it's just once or twice, kind of in the preseason, early season, or in season, um, and then have the discussion. I, I'm a huge proponent of the discussion aspect of scouting. Um, I think kind of bouncing ideas off each other, playing devil's advocate, and willing to kind of learn and adapt your own opinion, have conviction, but also have your 
you know, you have your feelings be adjusted based off of other people's, what they've saw. And you're not going to watch the same game ever. Um, you know, even NFL teams don't watch except for quarterbacks, usually every player, every t- play, every game of a player. Um, so kind of talking about players is super important. So I think that's something I, I've tried to at least institute and I, I've hopefully gotten better at it the last couple of years is really talking through a lot of players as much as possible. Um, but I think, I mean, my plan usually in, in the course of the season is right now I'll be watching, you know, I'll say I'm watching quarterbacks. The next two days I almost got through most, most top quarterbacks, senior quarterbacks. Then I'll do a lot of small school stuff first um, because small school stuff is something that we do a lot for our clients. And also it's kind of best to get those guys early on. There's not that many players to watch in terms of focusing on you kind of watch from one time through, see a guy you want to look at and then move forward from there. But um, it's a little less intensive, but that's kind of usually my process to move towards the FBS guys closer to the start of the season. Um, but kind of one of my my biggest plan when I scout, especially quarterbacks or top-end players, I just kind of like to watch two games, just kind of right through, almost without notes. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like I'll take a note here or there as far as something to go back on. Um, anymore, I've gotten them out of of taking notes of timestamps just for GIF purposes or GIF purposes, how you pronounce it, um, just because that's such a big thing now. And it's a cool way to kind of talk about a point. Um, but outside of that, I'll kind of watch two or three, got two or three games kind of right through once, once we're in draft season, especially in November, December, January, um, before Senior Bowl. And then I'll kind of go back and pick out a few plays or, or focus on a few things in particular. But m- my biggest approach is, and I, I think some scouting reports do this well, and NFL teams reports do it well too, is kind of pick out like five or six points on a guy and less about is he good at this or bad at this? Is he great at this or okay at this? I mean, using those adjectives is kind of always a weird thing, but you know, my thing is kind of like, what, what are five or six things this guy does that's unique, that doesn't do anything else? And I try to find those as quickly as I can um, and then kind of hone on those and see if they're really important. Um, kind of an example top of my head. But but certainly, I mean, you watch a lot of receivers, obviously, and, and you can go for days. Say, I mean, it, people say too much, he's a good route runner, bad route runner, and that's not really yeah. – doesn't say anything at all. Um, as you as the reception stuff really points out, I tell all the guys – um, I, there's going to be two more interns at Adopt from Scouting this year at least. And I actually told them all to read Reception Perception because I think it's it's a great look and kind of better understanding of receivers because it's where can a guy have a route success? And I think Corey Combs was the best example of that this year. It's kind of like, all right, he doesn't run a whole lot of routes. That's going to take some time. But why can't you just work with those to start? I think Cleveland will do that. Um, and, and then also Sterling Shepard, the kind of converse of that, a guy who runs so many routes effectively, kind of decide, all right, what's, you know, what's the really benefit's going to be? How's that going to work in a new offense? So, um, I think route running is a perfect example. I kind of find two or three routes a receiver runs really well, um, both as whether it's separation, whether it's his balance and going to the catch point, things like that. And the last thing I would try to do, and it's something I'm also fascinated by, uh, um, which I want to do more articles. He did one for Optum Scouting this year, which was great, but kind of playing the devil's advocate. Um, Cause I love kind of playing like, all right, why, you know, why shouldn't I remember back at the time too? Why shouldn't Andrew Luck be the top overall pick? Not saying I'm trying to be, you know, skip Bayless hot take, you know, why this guy sucks, but more so kind of saying, all right, well, no, no prospect's perfect. We all know that. So why isn't he perfect? Where's he going to struggle early on? And those kind of things I'm also fascinated by too. I try to do those early on in the process too, to kind of keep an even keel on where a guy's, you know, instead of going strengths, weaknesses, know where the guy does well, but also put the devil's advocate why that guy might not work in the NFL. Well, during that answer, you definitely uh, checked off requirement number one of all guests, which is to compliment me. So I appreciate that <laughs> uh, so that we can we can move on for sure. Um, but no, I think that's really important. Like, you know, obviously from a route running perspective, that's one thing that always really frustrated me reading scouting reports and, and still does. And why I do what I do is because like you just hear somebody say like, oh, he's a good route runner or I grade his route running, you know, a, a five out of seven or a yeah. seven out of ten. I'm like, well, you know, what the hell does that really mean? Or 
can you t- take that to another level, I guess. And so that's what I try to do. And I think that, you know, Optimum Scouting, like if you have, for one, if you haven't bought any of the Optimum Scouting draft guides, um, go buy the one that I was writing in. No, but seriously, go buy the most recent one. It was, uh, actually don't buy the one I read because that'll tell you how good Devontae Davis was and he's, uh, he's not in the NFL. <laughs> That's when, whenever Eric, it's really funny because I was obviously working with you when I discovered, in serious air quotes, uh, Devontae Davis. And it, but it's good though because anytime ask me, who's, anybody asks me, who's your biggest miss, I always have a quick answer to, to, to yeah. give them right away. Um, but so anyway, it was my point here was that if you read the Optimum Scouting Draft Guide, there's a ton of really detailed qualifications, um, you know, for how things are graded, how the checklist goes, and, you know, quantifying traits and qualitative realities of how the football player plays on the field is really important to me. Uh, so I think that you guys do a great job of that, and it's something that people should definitely learn from. Um, and one thing that I think I learned from Optimum Scouting uh, and that really helped me in in terms of still today watching tape and and watching college prospects is that you encouraged us all to you know go out and find full games and watch full games of players don't just necessarily and there's you know there's a place for going on to draft breakdown and watching the cutups and then just shooting from the hip after that like there's there's definitely some merit to that but in terms of detailed process of watching film because that's a question I get from listeners a lot. I actually just got an email last week from a listener that was just pretty much saying like, how do I watch tape? You know, do I just watch highlights? Do I go, should I go buy NFL game pass and watch all 22 film? Like I think you really did a good job of instilling in me and everybody else that writes there, how to, you know, like watch a full game, which I don't think people really know how to do sometimes. Yeah. Thanks draft breakdown. Um, just kind of yeah, killing right. films that entirely <laughs> so selfish of them, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, and I think I, and I appreciate this too. I think everyone watches draft breakdown at some point. Um, Cause it's so convenient, um, which is unbelievable. But I think that's, that's some of the, the at least from my perspective, the, uh, this time of year and in season watching full games is something I, I try to do entirely. Um, and so, I mean, when things come up when you're writing an article on a guy, you want to look more, look more ta- or, uh, draft breakdown film or, or you want to do that kind of that route. There's, there's a place for that, but I think the full game stuff is something that I, I still do. And I think that comes from, you know, a lot of what we do is databasing, as you know. Um, so the database stuff, you have to watch the whole game. You have to watch the full game for, you know, eight, nine players at a time. And it's sometimes it's inefficient to watch a full game and kind of track 10 guys at once. And that's something I appreciate, but that's kind of what, what Weston national scouts are doing, or they did this past off season. They're the team they're the scouting service that work for NFL teams that are scouting the junior class. People don't know, it's kind of the junior class a year in advance. So I think comes out in, in late June. Um, the NFL teams maybe earlier. They get a list of the top senior players across the country. But they're watching without any people talking about these players. They're watching film to kind of get an overall perspective of these guys and send NFL teams. And that's kind of what I think we want to do too, and we do, um, is have this real overview of guys too. So watching full game film, you can't get the nuance of a position. You have to kind of watch more. Either you can watch, you know, eight full games, or after a couple games, you can watch the draft breakdown stuff and kind of hone in on a guy. But, but I'm a big fan of kind of watching full film, and I think not a lot of people do that anymore, which is fine. And I think for draft, draft Twitter and a lot of the NFL draft articles you want to write, draft breakdowns perfectly fine. But, um, but yeah, I'm still a big fan of that, so I appreciate appreciate that. And I think a lot of our guys still do that, and thankfully, the sites like. You know, ESPN or watch ESPN now. Watch ESPN. It's called. I, I still type in ESPN three every time. Um, or whether it's Noon Kick, um, I think it's dot com or .se now, or place you can download stuff, or just kind of asking for film from schools. Um, 
that that aspect I think is is kind of a dying dying breed, except for people who have a kind of all twenty two access to every game, which we don't. Um, we've gotten more, thankfully, but not the same as as the guys at ESPN NFL Network has. But um, you know, and I say too, I know this for a fact. I'll, I'll just say one of the major networks um, that covers the NFL draft, their guys didn't have you know all twenty two film up until about five six years ago. Um, mm. So just watching TV film. You know, it's certainly harder to watch quarterbacks and safeties and have a great feel for quarterback progressions and things like that. We all appreciate that, but you can still get a lot out of it. And I think that's the best way to kind of learn. That's how I learned as a scout, um, to at least hope, hopefully develop a little bit and be proficient at it, just kind of watching full games and just taking notes globally and generally, and then kind of having my opinions be adjusted as I kind of learned more as I went. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's it's nice now working for NFL Network. I definitely have a lot more access to film. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Humble brag. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it, I remember back in those days, you know, having to scrounge for things and everything. And it, 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 it's cool. You know, and it's it's all part of like the, the growing process of an analyst, you know. And, you know, I definitely do not mean to, to shit on draft breakdown at all. Like not totally. No, not, of course. Not, I mean, of course. None of us would be doing what we're doing or a lot of us would not without their assistance. I mean, they're a huge huge resource. And I definitely plan on having like Brian Perez and other people from the site on the, on the podcast at some point to talk about what they do there uh, because it's important. Um, but there's, yeah, it's, it's all part of the growing process, like finding going from cutups to full games to this, that, and the other, it, it's cool. And it's all part of uh, it's all part of it. Um, Eric, you uh, guys at Optum Scouting obviously have a lot of partnerships uh, that maybe yeah. some people don't even know about. But you guys are, you know, you're partnered with Sporting News, I know, uh, and several of the All-Star games. How do you kind of grow those relationships and, and develop those sort of partnerships? Um, so we'll have more coming soon, hopefully months. But, um, you know, I think, for, I mean, for Sporting News, they, they had a need. Um, I know Russ Landy, he was there for a little bit. He bounced around a lot before. Um, I guess I'm not sure where he – oh, he's with Montreal now um, in the CFL. But, but they had a need, and we reached out. and. Uh, and that's kind of made that partnership too. Um, a couple other places we're looking at too. But I mean, the the biggest benefit I have in working with Sport News is great. They're uh, they're a great team there. They're kind of a, a morphing media company right now. They used to be so so big in magazines. Um, people still tell me that are older than I. Um, when they really appreciated the sporting news magazines and how they were the global leader and, and kind of sporting news publications. And now they're, you know, kind of more of a, I guess what fourth, fifth tier um, website ranking, which is still not to knock them at all. It's just a changing, changing tide of the industry. Um, but they're great to work with. And they're great about having a lot of optimum scouting writers right on there too. Um, it's not just me. It's kind of, they get the whole team part of it. Um, and all their scouting boards are powered by optimum scouting, which is great too. So kind of being powered, powering, I guess, is the way they kind of phrase it. Powering Sporting News' draft coverage is certainly cool, too. But the biggest thing, I mean, I, I really do love working with um, the All-Star Games we work with. And the Dream Bowl is one we work with um, the last three years. That's about third year? Third year. Um, and it's a small All-Star Game. People don't know it yet, which I can certainly understand. Um, there's the, the Senior Bowl, the Trying Game, the NFLPA, and then after that, it's kind of like whatever for most people. But it's a huge part of the football industry. Um, CFL teams use that almost entirely to scout um, American players. NFL teams use that um, entirely to kind of get takes on guys. And it's hard to watch. I mean, there's all-star games. There's, what, three all-star games, NFL, PA, Shrine Game, Senior Bowl. That's about 300 players. Then there's probably three or four other decent-sized all-star games. That's 600 guys. If you're a team, you can get access to 600 guys just by going to six different events. That's a huge benefit for teams, too. Um, so I love working with them. I got a lot of hands-on experience with the media side of things, the business side of things working with teams, um, getting their recommendations, and then kind of seeing the whole process unfold. And, uh, 
you know, I think the cool, most rewarding part is keeping in touch with all the players and, and kind of tracking their progress to the, to the season. We had three guys who were kind of work or four guys who were like workout warriors um, at our, at our combine. They were at a top um, Zach Whitman's three Sigma athlete um, page two and kind of had great combine workouts. They got NFL interest there too. Um, and then we all had two guys who were very close to being drafted, which would have been great. Um, but the biggest benefit, I think, is that the game's growing. And I'm thankful to have a lot of great people in that game. So not, not to promote the game a little bit, too, but uh, I'm super excited about where it's going for next year. We're going to have two games, not one. Um, we're going to do a lot more. And, and having someone who's, like, super committed to helping players, the guy in charge, Neil Melville, and I always bust his, bust his balls, but he's a guy who doesn't like making money on this kind of thing. He puts as much in as he can to kind of help guys. He loves D2 and D3 football. I can't explain why, um, but he loves it. And, and I get to be a part of something to help it grow a little bit too and, and kind of have a positive influence on players getting the NFL, which is kind of the dream that most people want to have. So it's uh, it's that's a cool thing we do, but certainly sporting news, like I said, I'll some more stuff in the future too. But I try to keep myself busy, man. I mean, people know the sports media industry, and unless you're lucky enough to work at NFL.com, um, like, like yourself, um, no, but it's if people, people appreciate that. It's part of work in sports media. There's only a handful of spots out there, and only a handful of quote unquote NFL draft experts. Um, so it's, it's important. I think today's day and age to wear as many hats as you can. And that's kind of my plan. Also a chance to give everyone out from scouting a chance to do a lot of cool stuff, whether it's working with NFL teams, working with CFL teams, working with agents, working with all-star games. And then also writing for Optimum Scouting, writing for Sporting News, writing for other partners, working on the draft guide. Hopefully it gives a lot of cool experiences throughout the process. Yeah, man, I think you, you touched on several things there that really embody something that I strongly believe in as an analyst and and that I appreciate in people that I follow is, you know, just not being the story, but being like a part of the story, you know, and Optimum Scouting being a part of other analyst stories, you know, and also, you know, just as you mentioned, like getting to know the guys and like being a part of their story to succeeding in the NFL is, is so cool, you know, and it, it's not about like, it's not about Eric Galco or it's not about Matt Harmon, you know, it's about the player and, and just being like kind of associated with that. Like, that's a cool feeling. I mean, cause it's their dream getting realized and it's just fun to like kind of play a little role in, in being like, you know, a spectator to that. Yeah. I mean, in, in four or five years, you know, I'll be honest, most of the guys that dream ball that do the work in the NFL, they won't be there in five years. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now. I'll, I, I'll probably last them longer in the league, but I think that that ability to kind of have a role and kind of someone realizing their dream is, is such a cool thing. I mean, these guys are just, and people forget that too. A lot of these, especially smaller school players, they're just fans of the NFL draft and the NFL like we are too. They're just bigger at it and they get to play a little bit, but it's, they still love the process. They still love talking football. They still love talking about how good Odell Beckham Jr. is or, or stuff like that. They try to go out there and be like Odell Beckham Jr. Our guy, Chester Rogers, had a one-hand catch of the All-Star game. He was chanting ODB afterwards and he, he's the Colts now. But I mean, stuff, they're still just fans who are just better football than us too. So kind of being with those guys and watching through the process is so cool. And then, you know, as NFL teams, we had, uh, what was it? Eight, eight NFL teams there in just our second year of the game, which was cool. Um, and having teams kind of go there and, and seeing these guys and kind of having teams say like, Hey, we didn't know about this guy before, but I'm glad you brought him in. We might take him now. And, and the, the jets had two scouts at the dream bowl. And then they signed five of our guys themselves um, just because they had value out of it. So that's kind of the cool thing too, is kind of saying that, you know, you're helping NFL team find a guy, helping the player get a match and go from there too. So I don't want to talk too much. I don't want, I'm not trying to promote the game at all, but it's, it's, it's the thing I get most excited about working with because the media stuff can come and go. We could do a mock draft that as possible, but, but kind of doing that stuff is the coolest thing. I think people out from scouting get a chance to work on. 
tremendous. Yeah, and uh, hey, listen, if, if any podcast is okay with self promotion, it, it's it's Matt Harmon's podcast. My life is like sixty five percent self promotion, uh, which is <laughs> which is gross sometimes. But hey, you got to do what you got to do in this in this sphere. Um, speaking of this sphere, Eric, kind of winding down a little bit here. I've been asking the guests recently, um, what's something that you see in the community? And obviously we've actually talked to more fantasy football people lately, but so this about the draft community for you, what's something that you see out there that you don't really like, or you wish was different? Hmm. Um, well, I think, and something that I want to do a lot more is the analytics side of things. I think people should do more analytics, but I think, I'm fascinated by it because I still want to learn a lot um, in, in the kind of community and, and, you know, reading reception, perception, reading Derek Klassen's quarterback stuff. I mean, I'm more in the sense of, I want to kind of pick, pick brains out about what's working. I think NFL teams are kind of the same way too. They, they acknowledge there's a lot of stuff that they don't know about football yet. And the analytics revolution, I mean, analytics have been in the NFL much longer than people appreciate. Um, you know, I know Joe Banner, who's the president of the Browns and the Eagles. He's like, we were doing this stuff 20 years ago. I mean, stuff's been around for a while, but mm-hmm. I think teams now are more open to kind of allowing outside sources and, you know, getting feedback on the draft guide about, excuse me, about Derek, Derek Klassen's work, Grant Shadow's work or Charles McDonald's work or RF Hassan's, um, you know, his combine stuff was awesome because teams are, I, I kind of ask him questions. like, this is very cool. Um, I want to do more of that too. So I think the, my biggest, and I guess I don't I don't follow draft Twitter as much as other people do too, but I think sometimes people get too conclusory um, with their opinions um, and kind of just assume that they're, NFL draft expert or they have their guys and that's great. But I think we've kind of, I think some ways got away from being okay to learn these things. Um, the NFL scouts aren't the end all be all. We shouldn't take their word as gospel or people in the media, but just kind of have an appreciation that we, it's an imperfect process scouting. And, uh, and I always try to learn a lot. I, I try to tackle things that I know and have a discussion about. I, back, I wrote an article about a backup quarterback and how that's role in the draft process. That kind of thing is something I'm fascinated in. But also, I want to hear feedback from both teams and people in the media. And I think people can, can be a bit more open-minded on those kind of things, too. I've seen a handful of articles after the draft process. And draft grades are the best indictment of that, right? This, this team sucked. This team was good. Let's not be so conclusory about those kind of things. That's the thing I, I appreciate, too. So, I mean, Derek is far younger than I am. Um, and he's one of the most impressive guys I speak with all the time. And I think it's great about quarterbacks so much too. So I've been doing it longer than he has. And I will still pick his brain about every quarterback prospect I can because he's smart at that kind of stuff, but I want to learn and get better at it. So, and, and, and I want to keep saying Derek because Derek does a quarterback stuff, which is sexy, but same thing for, for Anthony and, and, and Charles as well. But talking to those guys about their analytics stuff and then where they focus so much of their time, um, I'm open to learning. So I hope people at least are open to kind of learning so much and having different opinions and, and improving their opinion, I guess the best way to phrase it, which is a bit counterintuitive, but, but my opinion on guys is not right right now. And I'll talk to Derek probably in my drive here in a little bit about different quarterback prospects 2017, because I think he's, he's probably a better, he is, he's better quarterback scout than I am. And I'll, I'll take his, I'll we'll have a discussion about it and talk more about those guys. Yeah, for sure. Derek Klassen is at QB class on Twitter. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a, he's a good guy. We actually, like I said, we got to meet a couple weeks ago for, to watch the draft together. He's, yeah, he's definitely one of the better, young not only writers and i say young like i'm 24 years old so he's a little bit younger than me but uh you know he's he's really good he's a good writer for one which is important and i continue to harp on that on the podcast that you like have to be a reasonably decent writer to be a football writer uh yeah there's a point there 
Uh, and, but also, yeah, like you mentioned, great quarterback uh, evaluations. Like, definitely check him out if you listen to podcasts you have not, uh, you don't follow him already. Um, but you mentioned other guys, Charles McDonald, uh, Anthony Chiato. Like, what does it take to build a team like that? Because I think that's one thing that you know Optimum Scouting is great about is it, it's it is it is a team effort, and you know you've got guys covering different conferences, covering different positions. Yeah. Uh, what what is what does it take to kind of formulate that team like not only finding the guys on twitter or having them apply but then realizing who's good who's going to fit us and then also just managing it from various ends of the country yeah i mean the, the wide range stuff is always interesting right is we have guys all over the country all the time too and i don't want to discount christian page too austin bomber i want to get just mention those guys too christian page was awesome this year too for problem scouting and, and austin bomber guys like that but um i mean i i reached out to dare we lost so last year yourself um ian ian wharton went to bleacher report uh, more full-time alex brown went to university of houston mark delgaro to nfl network you know we lost four you know four of our best guys yourself included so it was a bit of a of a scramble to kind of find the next next people i can work with yeah um but no but i i mean i had i've i don't find draft twitter as close to some people i'm not as i'm not as I, i'm not as frequent on twitter as maybe i should be um anymore but um, but I certainly follow a lot of the, the other work for a while. Um, and Derek's a guy that's spoken before on Twitter. Um, but I followed the stuff for a while. And, and Anthony Chiado's pressure production, um, Charles and all stuff at the uh, the Falcon website, um, I kind of stumbled upon a while back too. But, you know, I like to work with people, like I said, I think are smarter than me. Um, and at least some aspect, if not the whole aspect of scouting. Um, so that's why I kind of found those guys too. And I, I try to follow a lot of people who I think are really smart that I kind of encounter on social media. Um, and just reach out to them and connect with them. And then if something opens up, but we have a, a need to them scouting, which we're, we're working through right now. Um, I'll go through there, but there's also, you know, also people who aren't on Twitter, which are so many people who are great at evaluating football who aren't on Twitter. I think people kind of assume that Twitter is a, is the representative of all, you know, football minds, or I guess all minds on the internet. And it's not necessarily true. So we'll go through, I'll go through emails of people who are interested in kind of getting your foot in the door and scouting. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of really smart guys. And we had a guy just last year who reached out to me via email, not on Twitter at all, um, and worked with us for a year. And also, while working with with Optimum Scouting, also made a connection with uh, a current NFL GM and is now a scout with the Tennessee Titans. Um, so I think you can. There's a lot of ways to kind of get into the football industry, not just talking on social media, just by being active and networking and and um, you know doing scouting stuff for a purpose. But you know, I, I think I've gotten lucky. Um, certainly working with 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 yourself and Mark and Alex and Ian the year before and, and guys in the past too, Chris Trapati, um, Justice was, was with us for a year before he kind of did his own thing as well. And he's done, he's done awesome stuff too. I still follow him and talk to him all the time. Um, but there's a lot of smart people out there. And I, my only hope is that Optimum Scouting can be a worthwhile kind of pit stop before people go to better, bigger and better things. Um, and hopefully in the meantime, you can um, hopefully grow as a scout, do some stuff you won't do anyplace else and go from there too. But it, it's, I've mostly gotten lucky and finding a lot of great people. There's a lot of smart people out there. I try to find the smartest people I follow on Twitter or I get emails from and go from there too. So hopefully next year, you know, next year, whether, you know, Derek moves, I mean, Derek's had a great job now at, at turf show time. She's a lot of good, he's going to do a lot of good stuff there with, with the Ram stuff that they're doing. But, um, you know, I, I want to get my guys, get guys going as place they can. And, and you yourself did your own thing for NFL.com, but other guys have kind of helped out with and, and finding jobs in football in the future, including the guys with the Tennessee Titans or whoever else. So it's, there's a lot of ways to get to where you want to go in the football world, whether it's media or coaching or, or scouting. And, uh, and hopefully album scouting is kind of a pit stop for some guys because there's a lot of great talent on the internet and out there who want to scout football. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm glad that you mentioned the, uh, the idea that you don't have to necessarily just come up through social media. I always say that to people like get on Twitter and start talking. Cause that was my experience. But like you mentioned, yeah. 
there's talent elsewhere. And I think that's important to mention. And definitely you talk about guys like Derek class and, you know, I mentioned him QB class, uh, Charles McDonald at Sunday fiasco, which is still a stupid, uh, username, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, Anthony's Anthony Chiato's at it me, Anthony, which is also kind of stupid too. Now I'm upset that I'm shouting all these guys out with their <laughs> stupid usernames, but anyways, follow all those guys. Cause they're great. Optimus Scott is building up a great team. And I, and I'm, I'm happy that all those guys have a voice with the, with a with a hashtag brand that I trust. Um, Eric, really want to thank you for your time here. This is, this has been fantastic. Uh, kind of closing out here. I always give the guest one last opportunity at the floor here to pretty much say whatever you want before I yank it out from under you. Uh, so go ahead, close us out here. Um, like an ending monologue here. Um, a lot of pressure. Well, I'll just say I'm, I'm, we're starting on the 2017 class right now, too. Um, and I think the, the scouting process in the offseason is probably my favorite time to scout, to be honest, because there's actually no opinions out there. Um, so my favorite thing to do is kind of talk with other guys on our staff. And we'll have um, – I have a big meeting with – not big meeting. I, I talk with Anthony and Derek and a couple other guys on the staff, too, to kind of do a lot of our preseason stuff, too. But but it's my favorite time to scout because there's no opinions out there. And I can kind of fire hot takes at people, not necessarily social media, but just – people via text message because I'm too scared for the reaction on social media sometimes about saying like this quarterback sucks, this guy's good. But I think this is my favorite time of the year to scout, which sounds odd, but um, May and June end up being probably two of the busier months for myself by design because I love kind of this preseason scouting stuff too. But I'm uh, I'm super excited for to work with guys like Derek again and Anthony again and uh, and see how the 2017 draft too. But um yeah, man, I got nothing else to say besides that monologue there too, except I'm excited for 2017. It's weird to start so early, but um, I don't want to do it myself for the most part. And uh, there's always work to be done. And hopefully, you know, a lot of our stuff will be done by mid to late June. We can kind of chill for a little bit in July and August for NFL training camps. But, um, you know, I've I've been thankful, like I said, work with people, great people at Optimum for a while. And hopefully there's more endeavors coming up. Fingers crossed a couple of things kind of fall through with some big opportunities for Optimum Scouting and our team. But, uh, but I'm excited for 2017 just like I was for 2016. And, and hopefully guys in Optimum Scouting can uh, can kind of grow to places that yourself and Alex, Brian, and Mark DeGarian have gone to. Because that's always the hope is that um, I'll be able to text you and ask you for information now that you're in your bigger and better job. And same for Alex and Mark and guys like that too. It's always great to see people kind of succeed in the industry. And there's not that many jobs out there in sports media or in, in the football world in general. Um, and I think it's important to kind of people keep an even mind about that and, and be patient. Um, Derek's been great at that too. I know he was – looking to maybe do something else, but he's kind of stayed with sports media and I think he's going to do awesome stuff and same for Anthony and Charles. And I want to make sure Christian page, give a shout out to he did a lot of great work. I mentioned him too much in the podcast, but, but he does great stuff too for Optimus County and he'll be a big part of what we're doing next year too. So uh, I, and not to be cheesy, but I'm super excited to work with a lot of these guys again next year and what we have coming for 2017. And hopefully it's, it's just as good as it was this past year. Hey man, staying patient and staying excited are two incredibly important themes when it comes to chasing the stream in, in sports media or any any sort of writing venture. There's there's no doubt about that. Those are those are pretty key pillars to success. So, uh, Eric, again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of really good things that people can take away from from what you discussed here today. And to the listeners. Always appreciate you tuning in. Um, the interest in the podcast is always very shocking to me, and I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, if you could continue to leave ratings, reviews on iTunes or your podcast app, 
those things are always very important. As Eric mentioned, there's the self-promotion uh, that we're all about here <laughs> on the Backyard Banter Podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening today, and I hope you learned something. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.